0: Well, today is going to be a little different. We have finished walking through Revelation one passage at a time, but before we leave this book, I want to preach one last sermon as a summary of what we've seen in Revelation. To begin with, though, I'd just like to read the first eight verses of Revelation and uh, read these together to just kind of get us, uh, kind of get the table set, if you would. Uh, And uh, if you're able, if you would please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. We believe that when scripture is read, the creator of the universe is speaking. And so let's give him our attention, give him our respect, give him our ears and our hearts. This is the word of the Lord. Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you. And peace from him who was, or who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. You may be seated. Jesus came to John in a glorious vision. He told him to write the message that he wanted to reveal to his churches. He began with a personal message to each of the seven churches that were the first recipients of this book. And then John saw a vision of the throne room of heaven. He saw God the Father seated on the throne with a scroll in his hand. And the only one worthy to open the scroll was the Lion of Judah, the Lamb who was slain, Jesus Christ. Jesus opened the seven seals of the scroll and John saw God's plan unfold. He saw visions of judgment. He saw visions of suffering and persecution. But ultimately, he saw that God would preserve his people all the way to the last day when they would be assembled as a great multitude from every nation before the throne, crying out, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. John saw a vision of God's warning judgments throughout this age in the form of seven trumpets. Uh, He saw the devastating reality that so many will hear these warnings and yet not turn to Jesus. Nevertheless, John was given a ministry to prophesy, and the church has been given a ministry to prophesy, to testify, even though this will lead to opposition and persecution in this life, ultimately, we will reach the day that's described in Revelation eleven fifteen, when we will say, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. John was given visions of the, of the different characters at play in this time between Jesus' first and second comings. He saw a vision of the dragon, Satan. He saw the beast and the false prophet he saw that ultimately those who side with satan and his forces will face the wrath of god and john saw this final wrath of god poured out as seven bowl judgments these plagues were met by the praise of heaven like in revelation 16:7 yes lord god the almighty true and just are your judgments and john saw detailed visions of the return of christ to bring final judgment on these various forces of evil he saw the judgment of the great prostitute babylon he saw the judgment of the beast and the false prophet the defeat of the dragon satan and ultimately he saw the final judgment of all of humanity he saw the righteous excuse me he saw the unrighteous condemned to an eternity under god's wrath but he saw the righteous in the form of of the bride, clothed in purity, ready for eternity with her bridegroom. And then finally, John saw visions of the new heaven and the new earth. He saw a perfect paradise with no tears, no death, no pain, no sin, but best of all, God dwelling with his people forever. So how do you sum up the message of a story like that. Well, when we began this series, I shared with you my attempt to sum up the whole book of Revelation in one long sentence, and I'd like to show it to you one more time. In Revelation, Jesus reveals to his churches God's sovereign plan of judgment and redemption, culminating in his second coming. So they would persevere in following him through this present evil world, enduring tribulation, resisting temptation, and bearing witness before the nations until the day God judges evil and Jesus leads them to victory and eternal life with him in the new creation. If you boil that down to its simplest form, here's my main point for us today follow the lamb because he's coming soon if we had to boil the message of revelation down to its simplest form it would be follow the lamb because he is coming soon so today what i want to do is just walk through that summary message of revelation uh, a summary of the message of Revelation one last time, because there are some truths in Revelation that I want to make sure that you remember. We, we've walked through this book, we've seen these truths, we, we've spent a lot of time, we've invested most of our year walking through Revelation, and I don't want to leave this book and you not remember some of the most important things in this book. So today I want to offer to you 12 truths from Revelation that I never want you to forget. First, I never want you to forget that revelation is truth revealed. Revelation is truth revealed. A moment ago, we read the very first words of revelation in verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. Jesus gave us this book to reveal truth to us. He wants to show us what must take place. He wants to make known these things. Revelation is not truth concealed, Revelation is truth revealed. So, this time next year, when you're coming to the end of your Bible reading plan and you get to Revelation, don't be scared, all right? If you're you're coming to your Bible and you're wanting to hear from God and you come to Revelation, don't think, you know, I'd really like to hear from God, but his word for me is covered up by a bunch of stuff that doesn't make any sense to me. No, I, I pray that you approach this book thinking Jesus wants to reveal truth to me through these words, through this powerful imagery. He wants to speak to you. He wants to say things to you like, fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. He wants to say things to you like, surely I am coming soon. So never forget that revelation is truth revealed. Second, I never want you to forget that Revelation is for the local church. Revelation is for the local church. It's obvious that chapters 2 and 3 are for the local church. There are seven messages for seven local churches. But it's important that we remember that it's not like there's this part for the local church that's just kind of tacked on to the front of the rest of Revelation that's this other thing. No, Revelation is one cohesive whole. All of Revelation is for the local church. Think of a passage like Revelation 13. You know, it's easy to get caught up in this description of the beast and the false prophets. Who this book is for? Revelation is to encourage us to love like Jesus. Revelation is to comfort us in suffering. Revelation is to remind us to take sin seriously. This is for us. It's for the local church. We can't thrive as a church without Revelation. But if we hear these words and keep them, John says we will be blessed. We will flourish. So never forget that Revelation is for the local church. Third, I never want you to forget that God is the author of history. God is the author of history. God sits on the throne of heaven above all and over all. He is the one who has the scroll of history in his hand. He is the one who unfolds history. He is the one who gives kings their power. He is the one who allows Satan to work. He is the one who allows the beast to make war on the saints even. He is the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Everything happens according to his will and for his purposes. God is sovereign over history. His plan is a plan of judgment. He's at work exercising judgment throughout history. This age, we saw that in the seven seals and seven trumpets, God is bringing judgments of warning. He's bringing judgments in the present, but he's also going to bring final judgment. His plan is all leading up to the moment that Satan will be defeated and the beast will be destroyed and Babylon will fall But God's plan is also a plan of redemption. He's redeeming people in Christ throughout this age. He is redeeming people and freeing us from our sins by by the blood of Christ, as we read a moment ago. And He will bring ultimate redemption when He makes all things new. And so, when you see wars in the Middle East and in Eastern Europe, When you see a pandemic wreak havoc on a planet. When you see mass shootings in schools and in churches. When you see Christians killed for their faith. When you see cultures abandon God and fall deeper into moral decay. Understand that no purposes except for God's purposes for judgment and redemption are being carried out. God is the author of history. Never forget, God is the author of history. Fourth, I never want you to forget that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. We saw last week, in the final words of Revelation, this repeated promise of Jesus. I am coming soon. I am coming soon. Surely, I am coming soon. God's plan for history that's unfolding before our eyes is heading toward the second coming of Christ. Jesus is going to return. This is what Advent is all about. Anticipating the arrival of Jesus who came once and who is coming again soon. The Christ who came the first time will come a second time. The Christ who was born of the Virgin Mary will come for his spotless bride. The Christ whose name was to be called Emmanuel will be God with us for all of eternity. The one who died and rose again will return to raise his people from the dead. The one who ascended to heaven will descend to earth. He is coming and he is coming soon. So stay ready. Never forget that Jesus is coming. Fifth, I never want you to forget that Jesus calls us to endure. He calls us to endure. Over and over again, we've seen this message in Revelation. The, the seven messages of chapters 2 and 3 call us to conquer, to make it all the way to the end. In Revelation 14, 12, after writing about the coming judgment on the earth, John says, here is a call For the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. This is the heart of how Jesus wants his churches to respond to revelation. Persevere. Keep on going. Keep following the Lamb. If Christianity were as simple as walking an aisle and getting your fire insurance we would not need a book like Revelation. We need Revelation because the Christian life is a marathon, not a sprint. It is hard to keep trusting Christ. It is hard to stay faithful to Jesus in this world. And so Jesus did not leave us alone. He did not leave us without help. He has given us grace in many forms. And one of his gifts of grace to us is in the form of revelations and encouragements and warnings and promises to help us endure. So keep your eyes on the coming Lord. Keep your eyes on the one who walked this path before us, who endured the cross for us. Never forget that Jesus calls us to endure. Sixth, I never want you to forget that Satan is real. Satan is real. Throughout Revelation, Jesus pulls back the curtain to show us the unseen forces of evil that are at work behind events as we see them. Behind evil in human power and governments, there is a beast. Behind evil in philosophy and religion is a false prophet. Behind evil in markets and cultures is a prostitute. Under the sovereignty of God, Satan is allowed to work behind the scenes until the time comes for him to be judged. So be sober-minded about this reality understand that this really is going on in the world recognize also that in revelation god has revealed the devil's playbook to us we shouldn't be deceived or surprised by the ways in which he works and nor should we be afraid we cling to the encouraging words of revelation 12:11 and they have conquered him that is satan they The saints have conquered Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they have loved not their lives even unto death. We know the devil's playbook and we know the pathway to victory. We know that Satan wants to accuse, but we conquer him by the blood of the Lamb that washes us white. We know Satan wants to deceive the world, but we conquer him by the word of our testimony, the gospel that's able to save anybody from all nations and tribes and tongues. We know that Satan wants to kill us, but we conquer him by loving not our lives, even unto death and finding victory even through death on the other side in resurrection. So never forget that Satan is real. Seventh, I never want you to forget that we should expect suffering. We should expect suffering. John begins Revelation, uh, the verse right after the verses we read, uh, Revelation 1 9. John identifies himself this way. He says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was. On the island called Patmos, on account of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. John was exiled because of the gospel. He was experiencing tribulation, just like the churches he was writing to were experiencing tribulation. As Christians, we are opposed by the world around us. There is suffering and tribulation to be expected. We see this not only in chapter 1, but in chapter 6, we saw described the kinds of tribulations that we experience today, wars, pandemics, economic difficulty, death, persecution. Revelation 8 and 9 described God's judgments in terms of plagues on the physical realm and in the spiritual realm. We live in a time of tribulation the world opposes us. Uh, Saints throughout the world experience persecution and sometimes imprisonment or even death for following Jesus. And this is to be expected, but we need to understand this is one of the forces that can pull us away from persevering and following Jesus. We're called to follow the Lamb who is coming soon, but this tribulation can pull us away from from persevering and following Jesus. Jesus warned us about this in the parable of the sower. He taught in Matthew thirteen twenty and 21 about the rocky soil, the person who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Jesus gave us revelation so that would not happen to you. He wants you to endure in following him. He gave you revelation so you would persevere in following the lamb. He wants to call you to see that pain is part of the plan. All things, including tribulation, all things, including suffering, are working together for God's sovereign purposes for history. So endure. Love not your life, even to the point of death, remembering that the one who endures to the end will be saved. Never forget that we should expect suffering. Eighth, I never want you to forget that we must not compromise. We must not compromise. The evil in the world around us is not just a source of tribulation and persecution. The evil in this world is also attractive and alluring. Uh, We saw this in the messages of chapters 2 and 3 as Jesus warned his churches about compromising with the godless cultures around them. Uh, We saw that in Revelation 17 and 18 as the world was described as a prostitute trying to entice us. This is another one of the forces that can draw us away from enduring, persevering, and following Jesus. Yes, suffering and persecution can pull us away from persevering, but so can worldliness and sensuality. Jesus also warned about this in the parable of the sower. He taught in Matthew 13, about the seed being sown among thorns, that this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world. And the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So be on guard as Christians living in a tempting world. Be on guard. In, in Revelation 18:4 and 5, John sees the vision of the judgment of the prostitute Babylon, and he writes, "I heard another voice from heaven saying, "Come out of her, my people." lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Remember that if you join in the sin of Babylon, you will receive the judgment of Babylon. So never forget, we must not compromise. Ninth, I never want you to forget that we are called To testify. We are called to testify. The churches of Jesus Christ are witnesses called to the ministry of prophecy. Jesus has given us a mission to make disciples, and that begins when we go and tell the world the gospel. Here we are living as saints in this dark world where Satan is at work. It's filled with temptations and tribulations, and we conquer him by the word of our testimony. We get to shine like lampstands into this dark world. We get to look to the people around us who are following the beast and call them out of darkness and invite them to come to Jesus. There is an eternal gospel that we have been entrusted with to proclaim. We saw last week in Revelation twenty-two seventeen, the spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. The Holy Spirit of God empowers the church of Jesus Christ to say to the world, come to Jesus. We say to a thirsty world, come and drink the water of life without price. Never forget that we are called to testify. Tenth, I never want you to forget that God will punish evil. God will punish evil. We've seen this over and over again in Revelation. In chapter 6, we saw the kings and the great ones and the rich and powerful and everyone hiding themselves from the wrath of Jesus. In chapter 11, we saw that though the nations rage, God's wrath will come and he will destroy the destroyers of the earth. In chapters 17 and 18 and 19 and 20, we saw these visions of God's judgments of Babylon and the beast and the false prophet and Satan, and and all of humanity, God is going to judge evil. He will punish evil. There's going to come a day when everyone will be held accountable for what they have done. And this should lead to two effects. On the one hand, it should remind us that we need to repent. We must not toy with evil. We must not live for this world and think that that's not going to have consequences. The forgiveness that Jesus offers us should never lead us to think that we can go on living in sin. We need to abandon our worldliness, abandon our ungodliness, and abandon any false teachings or false doctrine that we believe. Because God's judgment is coming on all of those things. On the other hand, God's coming judgment is also comforting. everyone who has ever sinned against us will be brought to justice. As we see evil kingdoms and governments and regimes and dictators, as we see atrocities and terrorism and abuse and theft, as we see injustice today, murders that go unsolved, crimes that go unpunished, we can take comfort in the fact that God is going to bring justice even if we don't see it in this life we will see it at the second coming of Christ never forget that God will punish evil 11th i never want you to forget that Jesus wins Jesus wins today we struggle Paul says in Ephesians 6.12, we wrestle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, those unseen forces at work in the world. And in this life, it will even at times look like the church is losing. The beast makes war on the saints and conquers us and kills us revelation says but in the end king jesus will have the victory the kings of the earth are going to follow the beast but we remember the words of revelation 17 14 they will make war on the lamb and the lamb will conquer them for he is lord of lords and king of kings and those with him are called and chosen and faithful so remember to trust jesus with the victory. Don't be discouraged when it looks like the enemy is advancing. And don't take matters into your own hands and try to fight a battle that Jesus has already won. Trust Jesus with the victory. Never forget that Jesus wins. Twelfth, and finally, I never want you to forget that God will make all things new. God will make all things new. Right now we experience suffering and brokenness. We experience tears and pain. Right now we experience sin around us, sin against us, sin within us, sin tempting us. But God is going to make all things new. In each of the seven messages of chapters 2 and 3, there was this promise for the one who conquers. There were promises about reigning with Christ and eternal flourishing. There were promises about knowing God and being known by God, about dwelling with God in his presence forever. And then over the last few weeks in chapters 21 and 22, we've seen a portrait of this paradise. Turn with me to Revelation twenty-one and look with me once more at the verses at the words of verses 3 and 4 of Revelation 21 And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying Behold the dwelling place of God is with man He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. As you endure, as you persevere, as you follow the Lamb, know that Christ is is worth it. Knowing Jesus is worth it. Staying close to Jesus is worth it. No matter what happens, he's worth it because he is the greatest reward. Remember this as you endure suffering and opposition. uh, The reward of the new heavens and the new earth is infinitely greater than the pain of tribulation. Remember this as you're tempted by the prosperity and pleasure of the world. Know that the reward of knowing Christ is far greater than anything that this world has to offer. And remember this as you bear witness before the nations that we are inviting the world to paradise. We are inviting the world to the presence of God. We are inviting the world to reign with Christ, to enjoy Him forever never forget that god will make all things new so again the main point i want you to hear from this sermon the main point i want you to hear from the series is to follow the lamb he is coming soon that language follow the lamb comes from revelation 14:4 4, which describes the saints this way It is these who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. According to Revelation, that's what it means to be a Christian, to follow the Lamb. And so I chose those words, following the Lamb, as the the subtitle of the series. I, I, I wanted to keep these words before us and this idea because I want us to remember just how practical Revelation is. And how connected it is to the heart of the mission that Jesus has given his church. At the end of the day, our mission is to be and make disciples of Jesus. Disciples of Jesus are followers of the Lamb. And so while there are many things I hope you never forget about Revelation, more than anything, I hope you never forget to follow the Lamb. Because he's coming. Soon. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege of getting to preach the book of Revelation. I thank you for the privilege as a church that we have had of feasting on your word. I thank you for all that you have shown us. Lord, no one sermon can summarize the, 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 the many ways that you have been at work in our hearts, in our church, in our families. Lord, we, we look back on, on what you have done, and Lord, we just praise you and thank you. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't forget the truths that you have given us in this book. Lord, I pray that we would hear them and keep them, that we would endure in following Jesus. And keep our eyes fixed on him, awaiting the day that he comes soon. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking to us. We ask that we would now go and keep these words. That we would live according to them. That we would follow the lamb wherever he goes.